Season 4, Episode 11 of the AppSec Podcast. On this episode, we talk about this thing called chaos engineering, which I really didn't know a whole lot about before we started. Robert and I get a chance to talk with Aaron Bryson, who's somebody who's done a lot of research and a lot of thinking about how do we embrace this whole chaos engineering thing in the world of security. So we hope you enjoy. The Application Security Podcast. Here we go. Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the Application Security Podcast. On this episode, we are joined by Aaron Reinhardt, who is going to talk about something called chaos engineering. And uh, cards on the table, I'm not even really sure what that means at this point, but that's okay. I'm here to learn too, just like uh, the rest of you in our audience. So Aaron, we always start with this single question that our audience knows and loves, and that is... What is your security origin story, or how did you get involved in security? How did you get into this discipline? Well, first of all, I want to say thanks for thanks for having me on the the show. Um, it's really an honor to be here. So my my uh, my background, my story. Well, I wasn't bitten by a spider, right? Nor do I have superhuman <laughs> powers, but uh, I um, I my story is uh, if I got into security. Uh, let me back up. So I started off in more of the system engineering, network engineering space. Uh, and early on with the, my work within in the Marine Corps Department of Defense, um, had some great, great experiences, sort of unique to that field um, that um, sort of propelled my career early on. Um, soon after I uh, soon after that, I, I sort of I found myself getting into I could I had trouble getting actually jobs because of my age at the time uh, in that space. Uh, so, but you know, what's funny is I couldn't be hired on as an experienced network or system engineer, but I could be hired on as as a uh, as somebody a software programmer that didn't know how to write software. Uh, uh, so um, I, I I found my I began in the sort of the back end database space. Uh, with um, you know uh, PeopleSoft and, and Oracle, and soon found myself in to uh, in the front end sort of design and then application design, and became a, ended up becoming a software uh, engineer at NASA. I spent a, 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 quite a bit of time there designing applications for NASA, and uh, as while well I was there, uh, I had the opportunity to start experimenting with security uh, with security. And uh, it was uh, that's sort of where my career in security began. But I like to think that I'm um, uh, my background in the, the, my multidisciplinary background is what makes me a good security professional. Because in my perspective, from my perspective, um, security is really just a reflection of good engineering. Hmm. Yeah. What do you, What do you mean by that, though? That's that's an interesting statement. Um. Tell tell me more about what do you what you mean about uh, security as a reflection of just good engineering. Well, so for example, um, a, a, a lot of um, a lot of like uh, sort like uh, let's say for example, we used to do sort of uh, when it comes to traditional uh, 
like the network for Zion. I don't know why this first name popped in my head. Um, we would do we would separate out um, um, uh, components by trust systems by trust boundary. Well, uh, really, that has always been the sort of good network engineering was to you know uh, is to sort of create uh, those sorts of uh, separated topologies. Um, I guess that's not the best example, uh, but uh, um, uh, writing good code, right? Should that be uh, flaws in code? Should that be uh, should that necessarily be a security thing, or is that just a good practice? Um, I don't know. Yeah, and I think that yeah, that makes sense to me, and that's it's kind of an interesting way of thinking about this. Like we, we've always thought of security in the in the industry as, and even in how it's approached in organizations, both small and large, as a separate entity. That's that's always been well, that's the security department, and you still see that a lot of different places. And it sounds like what you're kind of thinking about is security really is embedded into everything that's happening. And good security just means good engineering practices, and they're 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 really reciprocating uh, to each other. Yeah, there's really that reflection of of the quality and depth and introspection in the engineering, and it's really yeah, it's really it's about quality. And I think most industry, given the whole DevOps transformation, what that's brought to security is is we're really coming back to what our core roots in engineering. I think we began out of the engineering problem. Uh, and we went on this weird compliance trip for 10 years and we're coming back to our roots. And it's really exciting to see security not be this weird uh, compliance focus. I mean, compliance is important, right? But like um, the real problem is still the engineering. So. Yeah. And you, you can go ahead and, and, and make fun of compliance. It's okay. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's an accepted thing here on the podcast of... But I mean, you know, compliance serves its purpose, and it's as long as it's not the basis of your entire program. There's a certain amount of things that we have to do from a compliance perspective. But I always, I'm a little leery when people are leading with compliance as the driver and and what makes us tick as a security organization. I mean, you're chasing your tail. I mean, like you know, uh, I mean, look, uh, I don't think there. I, I think the first uh, Docker. Docker container security guidance came out from like NIST like two years ago. Containers have been around for like eight years, right? I mean, if you're not, I mean, like that means there was a good six year period where there was no compliance guidance or standards around it that you were just, if you weren't focused on the good engineering, you were just open to vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. So let's transition into this whole idea of chaos engineering. So if you can give me just a basic definition that we can kind of build off from when you say chaos engineering what does that actually mean sure well just just uh so i'll lead it with uh if you go to principles of chaos.org it's sort of the marquee seminal um sort of doctrine when it comes to chaos engineering that everyone sticks to it's the principles laid out by netflix the netflix team led by kc rosenthal um but the definition of chaos engineering is the discipline of experimenting on a distributed system in order to build confidence in the system's capability to withstand turbulent conditions in production. And all those words are very, in that definition, are very important. And, it, you know, I, I, we can actually get into at some point in, in, uh, in the discussion about what some of the differences between security practices like red teaming, purple teaming, and chaos engineering. And there are major differences. 
Um, but uh, the idea of chaos engineering sort of was born out of a um, uh, of a particular need from Netflix. So there are actually roots of chaos engineering that, that began at Google and the SRE program at Google as well as uh, Amazon.com. But um, Netflix, is, as many folks may know, consumes about almost 30%. I, I don't know the exact numbers today, right? But they consume about 30% of all North American Internet. On top of that, they consume about the same percentage of Amazon Web Services. When you're that heavy from an engineering perspective, stuff starts breaking. And um, uh, what Netflix decided to do is that they decided that they weren't uh, – that uh, their business heavily depended upon their services being available for people. You can't watch a movie if it's not there. Um, so um, uh, so they decided they're going to build their system to be resilient to failures from Amazon and uh, network traffic type of, of, of failure modes. Uh, so they went forth and they built uh, to the best of their capability, uh, circuit breaker patterns and uh, resilient types of engineering uh, approaches to combat the problem. But they ran into a scenario where, okay, now that we, um, okay, now that we have done this, how do we prove it? Uh, so they went to Amazon and they said, "Hey, will you break your system for us?" Well, no, Amazon, Amazon, well, Amazon's like, well, you know, that kind of violates our agreement with you. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, you want us to what? Um, and uh, but Amazon said, you know what, you can, uh, you know what, you can go ahead and uh, break it yourself, right? Have at it. Right, and so out of that was born uh, Chaos Monkey, which is still considered the sort of the, the first tool, the seminal tool in the space. Most people, if they've ever heard of Chaos Engineering, sometimes they've heard of Chaos Monkey, uh, just because it's kind of a crazy name. Okay, what, um, is, what is that? What is Chaos Monkey, and what does it do? So what Chaos Monkey does is during business hours, that's a key a key part. During business hours, it will uh, it will randomly bring down a VM on one of uh, Netflix's production systems. It is during business hours for the fact that uh, during business hours, you have all the right people there if something goes wrong. Uh, but the idea is that is is to, when they bring down that VM or the AMI, um, it's to measure things like, okay, did 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 the did the service fail over, right? Did we lose traffic? Did, did was, there, was there data loss? Um, it's testing all the things we built uh, but it's also chaos engineering isn't about validation and verification of of things you built per se. I mean that is one you are kind of validating certain things, but the idea is actually to learn new things you did not know before. So let me explain how I break down instrumentation. So I break down instrumentation in two major categories. Uh, one, testing. So testing is the verification or validation of something you already know. And security could be a CVE, an attack pattern, a signature, um, what have you, right? Um, experimentation is rooted in the scientific method and rooted in the idea of uh, seeking new information that was previously unknown. Because with chaos engineering, we're trying to uh, we're trying to learn about what we didn't know. So things like so security incidents, often I find that people will. Uh, are trying to guess. Uh, usually, first and foremost, the focus is on um, uh, on the remediation, getting the thing back up uh, and running, more than it is the root cause. Um, but uh, but I find when when we are doing that sort of post mortem, post incident, root cause, whatever you're calling it, 
uh, analysis. One, it's usually poorly done. Uh, but two, we often associate the problem to what we knew without taking into conscious the facts that there may be lots of things in, in the equation that we did not know. Because uh, most often, especially in the world of complex adaptive systems, uh, it's not usually one thing. It's a combination of multiple things. And it's about, so with chaos engineering, it's about the learning uh, about how your system really works versus how you thought it did. That's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. It's, uh, but it's, it's making sense to me. So just to kind of recap the, so principles of chaos is where it all is kind of where it all came from. And this is Netflix that they've documented what they were, they're, they're doing internally to share that with the rest of the industry. Right. That's, that's the point of that. Exactly. Exactly. And then they use this, you know, and I had heard of this chaos monkey tool before, um, but didn't really associate it with a bigger movement. So, uh, so how much of this is a movement? Like, is this, is this, does chaos engineering have the same amount of velocity that like DevOps does where everybody's doing DevOps now is chaos engineering gone? Has it gone mainstream now? Or is it still something that most people don't know about? Uh, I would say it's going mainstream now. It's like the next evolution in that whole category. I have a of some of my all day DevOps. I'm one of the all day DevOps speakers this year um, on the SRE track. My um, I guess I'm like the only security SRE kind of <laughs> combination. Um, but uh, uh, I'm going to talk a bit about how the, the relationship between SRE DevOps and chaos engineering kind of it fits. all kind of centers around failure. To be honest, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, and just so for for the listeners and and uh, and even my understanding, SRE is site reliability engineering. Yep, site reliability engineering. Uh, uh, it's, it, the definition comes from Google, um, uh, but like many people, move beyond the word site and use more system reliability engineering. System, okay. And so, yep. so that's kind of the discipline for which chaos engineering. Chaos engineering is kind of the movement, and SRE or system reliability engineering is the is kind of the the process and the moving parts that you assemble to do chaos engineering. Well, you, you know, uh, you made a great distinction. So, uh, chaos engineering was kind of born out of, I mean, kind of um, it kind of was in in the same vein as SRE okay. uh, and that. And, and there is a lot of similarity, and I'm, I, so I have an article and a talk coming up about this just to sort of drive some clarity around it, where they, where they, over, where they overlap. And, uh, but it, it, it is about, um, you know, it, it's about um, it, the core tenet is failure, right? It's using failure as a tool and treating it the right way and, and building things the right way. Uh, and, it, it, and in the end, it's about building a learning culture about how your systems really operate. After the break, Aaron explains the business value of an investment in chaos engineering and SRE. The Application Security Podcast operates with support from Security Journey. A security belt program provides the three pillars of successful AppSec training, learning, application, and experience. Visit us on the web at www.securityjourney.com to learn how you can teach and empower your developers using a new kind of security training. Aaron dives back in with the tangible results of chaos engineering and SRE. 
So that's a good question. So um, I can give a couple of case studies examples. Okay. Um, so the nature of the problem uh, and the nature of the business case is that we, our systems are no longer these linear uh, three-tier apps running out of data centers, right? We are in the era of the dawn of the complex adaptive system. And there is science, science and clear definition on what that means, uh, meaning that uh, uh, complex adaptive systems are, are made up of, of many different parts. Those parts are, uh, are networked, a network of relationships that, uh, that uh, as a whole, um, the, the relationship and the nature of these things and how they're interconnected create nonlinear outcomes. What I mean by that is so um, is that linear outcome would be uh, cause plus effect equals outcome. Okay, uh, meaning a one plus one equals two. Right in the world of a complex adaptive system, we reach nonlinearity. Right, which it, it's which what that means is that one plus one may equal negative ninety or a hundred. Uh, in that it's the relationship of feedback loops between things. Think about a, a system, a, 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 like an Amazon.com with thousands of microservices running to facilitate that app, right? Um, you're having things, things are spinning up, they're spinning down, they're interconnected, um, and, you know, everything relies on each other. And so um, it's, it's, the, it's the nature of the cascading effects between those things that cause exponential Waves. It's it's not uh, so complexity science are uh, in complex adaptive system is where the chaos theory idea is born, right? The butterfly effect, right? Is that you know uh, one change uh, can ripple throughout a, an ecosystem and uh, create nonlinear outcomes. And, the, and well, so the the example I've I've seen, and I'm I'm by no means an expert in anything related to chaos, but isn't there an example with the butterfly, like the butterfly flaps its wings and a thousand miles away a hurricane or something? Yeah, that's that, that, that's it, that's it. You know, and really, actually, Jurassic Park, uh, Malcolm, what's his name, uh, does also a great example of it in sort of pop culture, but like. But when you ask me a question, what is the business outcome? The business outcome is not is, is that large scale distributed systems have unpredictable outcomes. Look at um, look at Amazon's Prime Day. I don't. I think we all remember that was about a month and a half ago. Um, one um, uh, a one hour outage cost Amazon.com. I mean, this has been this is sort of what uh, publications have determined what the cost was. I mean, Amazon did was not just to be clear, they were not openly saying we lost $33 million an hour, but it was roughly calculated that's about what they lost. Mm -hmm. It's $33 million an hour, and they're out, out for three hours. Ouch. That'll make, it, that'll make for a tough Christmas this year, you know? Yeah, but the, here's the thing is, it's like, is it used to be easy to kind of know what a system was doing. But now, think about how the, our release cycles and delivery cycles and our build cycles are working. Is that, like, so let's say you got an app and it's got 10 APIs, for example. There's not actually 10 APIs. There's probably at least 10 for each API for throughput. There's probably a blue-green deployment or, or uh, type of scenario where they've got multiple versions they're testing. Yep. Uh, although those things are interconnected, they're spinning up, spinning down, and teams are releasing, uh, hopefully at the same schedule, but some at different schedules. So things are rapidly changing, spinning up, spinning down, and they're all interconnected. And we're, we're at a point no longer where the human can ascertain what exactly is happening at any given point in time. Yeah, I just, I, I kind of, I'm kind of coming to the conclusion here that 
the 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 business case or the reason is in this complex adaptive system there is really no way to do functional testing because there's so many different components your test plan would be tens of thousands of pages long to try and cover all of the possible scenarios that could happen. Exactly. I mean, we can do some, right? I mean, like chaos engineering doesn't replace existing testing methodologies, but you're you're on the right path for sure. Um, is I mean, we, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah, definitely. So I think I feel like we've got a good introduction now to or probably you know at least an intermediate level <laughs> introduction to uh, chaos engineering. But since this is the AppSec podcast, let's now transition into what are the what are the ramifications for application security in combination with chaos engineering? Where do these two things intersect with each other, and and what do those connections look like? Sure. Um, uh, so a, a good example of, so I could, I could explain a bit about, uh, Chaos Slinger, uh, which is, um, a, the first sort of open source tool that we released that does some of these chaos engineering type of activities. And was that Chaos uh, Slinger? Yeah, Chaos Slinger. Slinger. Okay, got it. Yeah, so originally, okay, uh, full disclosure, this is, this is a cool podcast, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the cool name out, uh. Definitely, it was not okay with like most people to release it under this name. But uh, originally, the, the name of the project was Pooslinger because we figured <laughs> if we we're going to if we we're going to create a chaos engineering tool uh, for security, I mean, what better? Uh, and, and there's these, all these monkey tools like Chaos Monkey, Gorilla, Kong. That uh, we're thinking about. Okay, well, what is mo- what do monkeys throw? Right? You know, yeah. uh, they throw poo <laughs> and. Uh, so we called it Pooh. It made the project fun. I mean, there was uh, five-year-old jokes. Uh, five, you know, uh, every every meeting. Um, but the idea of so from an absent perspective, uh, in general, or from a security perspective in general, is that um, the nature by which an incident occurs is somewhat subjective. You don't know where it's coming from, who it's coming from, when it's going to happen, uh, and all your preparation. It could be the logging. It could be. You know, uh, the monitoring or you, or the attempts to make your system more observable, which is a, a very new concept that also overlaps with chaos engineering, by the way. Um, but uh, all, no matter all your efforts, preventative or detective engineering focus, uh, you're still at a level of unpredictability and subjectivity to an incident. Well, uh, and so, so when an incident occurs, uh, the focus is, like I said earlier, it's mostly on the remediation, not on actually... Uh, what happened, but even if you were seeking what happened uh, or information about what happened, you most likely did not have the right data or enough data to make sense of it. But what if, what if, okay, what if, uh, you know, you were able to cause the objective event itself, right? What if you were the root cause and and you could um, uh, inject the signal and measure it throughout the, the cycle? And what I mean is you're not Chaos engineering, in terms of its response to this example, uh, you would inject the failure mode. It could be a misconfiguration or a misconfigured IAM policy in AWS. It could be a misconfigured, uh, um, you know, port. Or it could be a dynamic, uh, another example could be a dynamic uh, WAF rule that was created through the machine learning on Amazon's WAF. Uh, uh, Anybody who's dealt with that knows that, uh, you know, not all uh, ML and AI and, uh, you know, makes very, they don't all make good decisions. Uh, most often they don't make very good decisions at all. Um, but, uh, you know, failure happens, right? 
But what if we were able to control when it did and learn about what, what, how well we were prepared for the situation when, um, when the world is not on fire, right? Yep. Uh, and that's kind of what the focus is uh, of chaos engineering is, is to sit down with the pro- your product team, your app team, right, uh, and say, okay, hey, we're, we think we're seeing these kind of uh, uh, failures happening uh, are we seeing these these types of events happening? We're not sure why. It seems to overlap in this and in, and in, in let's say it seems to report related or seems to be related to this type of activity where we're seeing a block. Uh, but we want to learn more about how what other pieces uh, didn't tell us that should have told us what's happening, so we can uh, we can uh, make changes or increase our visibility. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. So. From the, I guess, from the incident perspective, so you're you're not actually injecting, you're not you're not actually causing a security incident then per se, right? So you're not you're not injecting a SQL injection or something into a running application so that then you can track and see what's happening. You're more generating failures that would be the logical result of an incident, and then using that to measure. How well we, how well the system responds? How adaptive it is? Does it fall over and completely die? Is that is that do I have that right? Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess in a gist, yeah. I mean, you're you're it's failure injection predominantly, right? You're you're injecting failure modes. I mean, they're key. This is where it comes back to some of the chaos principles. It's important to stick to because it's important to stick to them. You need anytime you inject failure, you need to ensure that that you can control the, the failure domain, right? Um, and um, uh, the blast radius per se. Um, let's see. I think I. I think I. Uh, sorry. I think I answered your question. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so, what are some resources then that somebody who might be listening to this episode and might be thinking, "I want to learn more about this whole chaos engineering and and kind of figure it out." And I know we talked about the. Uh, principles of chaos.org. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, we'll definitely put a link to your article and um, your DevOps Day talk as as a place for people to get more information. But what um, what other what other resources are available out there that you recommend to people? Oh, I've got a bunch. <laughs> so um, I think I think it's important before you get dive into chaos engineering to understand nonlinear systems and complex complex adaptive systems. On YouTube, there's a uh, there's a uh, series. It's super. It's, it's freaking awesome, right? Somebody broke it down easy, cartoon style, right? Okay. And it's 55 minute course. You could actually break it down. Maybe watch half of it, but it's from Complexity Labs. They've got. They just make it easy to consume. It explains what these systems are. And maybe if you're if you're out there and you're if you're trying to figure out why unpredictable things keep happening with the system. Uh, maybe this is your first uh, sort of best way to dive into the understanding behind why chaos engineering and observability are important. Um, and uh, so on top of that, um, there's also another, there's a seminal paper that should be a must read for anyone in today's modern engineering. It was written in 1983, uh, 35 years ago by Lee San. Uh, Bainbridge. It's called the ironies of automation, right? Uh, there's all this focus in security, especially on automation, an ML, an AI. But it's important to understand the problems that come with automation. 
automation, I don't say automation is bad, but we assume it's it's the answer or an answer that is going to just solve it for us. Automation comes with a tax, right? Uh, the tax being that, so this paper is called The Ironies of Automation, written in 1983. It should be free out there. Um, and the third resource uh, is um, uh, Why Complex Systems Fail. It was a paper written by MIT that sort of also describes, it's important to grasp more of the domain of resilience engineering before diving into chaos engineering. That way you understand the nature of network theory, emergence theory, chaos theory, and why, you know, um, uh, why chaos engineering is a thing. Uh, but, um, but also we need to, uh, I think, uh, we're in an era where, uh, if we don't start security, doesn't start understanding that problem. Uh, we're going to continue to continue to design stateful security in a stateless scenario. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Robert, you have, uh, any, you've been kind of taking this all in this, uh, yeah, this of, is great. A lot of information. You got any specific questions for Aaron? Well, you know, you know, there are a couple of resources there that I was not familiar with, so I definitely want to follow up on those. Um, one other resource I was going to mention, and, and we kind of talked about it before we started recording today, was the um, the Release It book by Michael Naggard, uh, which there's a second edition that just came out, and he added uh, some a chapter on chaos engineering as well. Uh, that's really where I started first learning about 10 plus years ago when the first edition came out about failure in architecture and how you need to think about failure. Uh, how much of that is uh, influenced where we are today as well in chaos uh, engineering and, and, and so on? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's right in there. I mean... Uh, yeah, that's... That's where you, I remember that's where we first learned about uh, circuit breaker and um, uh, bulkheads and all those kinds of things, those patterns that it seems like that's where, you know, that's where we need to be thinking about. And now it's come to fruition with this uh, chaos engineering and so on in terms of building resilient systems. Oh, precisely. And security, security is a core part of resilience, uh, in, in my opinion. So um, it's the build, it's simply resilience is all it means is the, uh, the ability to respond. You know, so and failure is a tool. That's what that's what kind of what uh, Nygaard really you know hits hard at. And uh, and I was just actually had a great conversation with someone writing an article on the topic uh, of detection engineering and in with chaos engineering within it. And um, chaos engineering is very from a security perspective is very much a part of that. Uh, where detection engineering is really focused on you know trying to empower the human and in sort of the response are the uh, depends on if you follow like Alex Mistretti from Netflix's methodology with the sockless model or uh, which is more DevSecOps but um, but uh, it's the idea of creating more context around alerting and uh, you know um, reducing alert fatigue and things that come along with that but chaos engineering adds to detection engineering in the fact that um, it's about what you did not know it's about the unknown unknown per se. Now, what is this? Uh, can you tell us more about this sockless model at Netflix? And, and you mentioned in regards to DevSecOps. I'm just curious yeah. what that is and, and uh, kind of what goes into that. Sure. I was originally, um, it was originally, it was an article that was posted on LinkedIn from Alex uh, Maestretti. Uh, he's a Netflix, I believe, engineering manager. Um, 
it's about uh, it's about not having in the need for a sock, a core a sort of a core central component responsible for uh, responding uh, to alerts from systems and things like that, launching its response forensics um, is lacks very little context about systems that the alerts are coming from. And what I mean by that is so what what Alex is articulating, which I which I have, which I have sort of articulated more as uh, incorporating security into the SRE function. I think I think those two those, the fields of uh, application security and SRE are perfect uh, made match in heaven, right? Uh, I, I, it's like SRE solved everything but security. Uh, well, uh, it's it's frustrating. Um, but like, um, but the point of it is, is that distribute the SOX functions to the in a DevSecOps model. Where, mm-hmm. uh, what if you had a security person, right, that had innate depth, depth and knowledge about how the product itself worked, where they could ascertain quickly whether or not the alert was just junk, right? It, it made no sense. But we get all these alerts that are uh, guessing somewhat about what might be happening. Remember, our products and services are intellectual property, right? They're what makes the business money, yep. right? There's uniqueness to it. And often, Security historically, we we through alerting, through through AppSec scans, through whatever, we get this we get these uh, this telemetry that says, okay, hey, hey, app team, product team, you did something wrong. Or you go back to them and say, well, no, not entirely. That's not how that works. And then uh, they explain it to us, and then we say, no, no, that's not what we're seeing in the tool. We're explaining a tool. They're explaining the engineering they built. Right? It's it's this back and forth uh, with. And what it really lacks is there's empathy lacking from the security side of, of what was done to build the depth in engineering and the product. But what if there's a security person by the nature of their role, they had the depth in the engineering. They knew how the thing was built. They knew how the security interacted and they could easily ascertain, well, no, that's, that's not how that works. Actually, they did this, uh, which is kind of, kind of cool, kind of unique, but it, uh, it makes it kind of, this scenario, not really feasible. The tool just doesn't understand it. And we've, in the AppSec space, we've all been there. We've all seen false positives, the uniqueness in product. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Still a challenge even, even today, almost 13 years after I stopped working in the world of incident response and event <laughs> management. It doesn't seem like, I mean, the tools have gotten faster and they can collect more data, but it still seems like, the model is still traditionally by of having a bunch of people in a room 24-7 that are watching this stuff. And so, yeah, that makes sense in the, the new DevOps world. Put the alerts closer to the people that can actually triage them and really know what's happening behind the scenes. So, yeah, I think that's a yeah. good approach. They're going to know exactly the person that needs to get involved, right? You know what I mean? Like, uh, it just makes sense. Hey, Aaron, you also have a series of articles on opensource.com. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I, uh, it's sort of um, been sort of a healthy exercise for me to uh, to help other folks understand. It's a, it's a culmination of a lot of questions I get from folks about the differences between, let's say, purple testing and chaos or SRE and security. Uh, and sort of uh, a lot of stuff we talked today, uh, talked about today on the podcast. Uh, you can sort of dive deeper uh, if you go to opensource.com uh, and just search for my name. You'll uh, you'll 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 see quite a few resources. Definitely. So, Aaron, thank you for uh, taking the time today and sharing 
um, what is obviously a large amount of expertise in this area. And thank you for summarizing it in such a way that uh, I got a real good, I took away a real good set of notes as far as what what this chaos engineering thing is and um, some great resources to take a look at. So we thank you for taking the time and we'll have to have you come on again in the future to uh, maybe unpack one of the, uh, one of these more complicated topics that we just kind of got a chance to just introduce. Have you come back and, and we'll dive deep into one of these pieces in a future season. So we thank you very much. I love that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the application security podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please do us a favor and visit the iTunes store and give us a five-star rating. Our intro music is 8-Bit Kung Fu by Bourne and TJ, and the outro is Southern Delight by Stefan Kartenberg. You can find us on Twitter at AppSecPodcast or on the web at www.appsecpodcast.org.